Lord, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this message. And I just pray, Lord, that your word will be heard and that people will be touched and they'll get something out of it that'll bless their life, Lord, or that they can use or that's... The goal is that it can be very practical this morning. So, Lord, just meet all of us where we are and Holy Spirit, awaken in us things that we can do, Lord, to, to draw closer to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to start with, it's, it's actually interesting because I think Deanna, well, the first song I totally tied into my message, which doesn't surprise me that Sean sang, and then I think what Deanna shared completely tied into the goodness of God and knowing that God is always there and being able to, well, the, the title of the message, I guess, is it's called Press On, and our main verse is going to be in Philippians 3, um, chapter, or yeah, Philippians chapter 3, verses uh, 10 through 14. But we're going to start with uh, 2 Corinthians, and I'm going to read this a little bit. And I threw this in here because I was driving home the other day, and this message was on there that, that I was listening to, and I was really, it, it was kind of a different take on, on, on this passage, and I'll explain it here in just, in just a minute. So this is where, where Paul is basically has something that's tormenting him, and he's asking the Heavenly Father to basically get rid of it. And, and, and the Heavenly Father's like, no, my grace is enough. And this is out of the Message Bible, which I really like. I think this is the Message. No, maybe not. But it, it, it's, a, it's a modern English version that I read a lot. To keep me grounded and stop me from becoming too high and mighty, due to the extraordinary character of these revelations, I was given a thorn in the flesh. A nagging nuisance of Satan is how Paul described it. A messenger, to, a, a messenger to plague me. I begged the Lord three times to liberate me from this anguish. And finally he said, my grace is enough to cover you and sustain you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So ask, so ask me about my thorn. Inquire about my weakness and I will gladly go on and on. I would rather stake my claim in these and have the power of the anointed one at home within me. I am at peace and have and even take pleasure in my weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, afflictions for the sake of the anointed, because when I am weakest, he makes me strong. And I was like, wow, okay. Um, and I'm not saying that I have a thorn or a, a you know, that's directly from Satan. But what I do think the Lord does and what I do know and what kind of the crux of the message is, is the Lord uses the things in our life, probably the things that irritate you the most, the things that push you the most, to help you find your limits, to help you see where maybe you're stuck in your faith. Now, I have to preface that. This is all full of glitter, too. Sorry. Um, I have to preface that with please keep in mind as I'm talking today, and, and, and what's very important to this is it is never, ever, ever the Heavenly Father's goal to make you quit. That is not why you have hardships in your life. That's not why it maybe feels like things aren't as, as good or, or, or should be. The Heavenly Father's heart, please hear me, is never, ever to make you quit or give up on the faith. He loves you way too much, and He has a purpose for you. However... He doesn't want you to be stuck. And he knows that when we're comfortable or when everything is going well, we rarely change. And he also knows you better than you know you and me better than I know me, if that makes sense. 
and he knows my limits better than I do. And if he doesn't kind of push me to those limits, I'm never going to address them and push past them. And this makes me think about one of my favorite things a few years ago. I, I'm always, I was in the military. I'm always fascinated with the, with the military and the special ops training. And uh, there's a really good show out there. It's called uh, Surviving the Cut. But basically, they, to just jump through it real quickly, what they do is they send a camera crew with the selection courses from all the major special operations. So they send a team with the SEALs, Marine Recon, Lance Manning was here, so if you ever, some of you ever knew that guy was Marine Recon. Um, and then there's the Air Force one, I can't remember what that one is, and then if I miss one, the Navy SEALs, Green Brace, the Army Green Brace. But anyway, as I was thinking about this message, and, and that is all about grit and grind and pain and dirt and sleeplessness, but the goal, the goal I realized really isn't to make these guys quit, because we need these people, right? The goal is, is so that these soldiers, I think it's still all men, but these men and or women find their limits so they know their limits, so they know that they can operate in the conditions that they have to operate in. That's what they're really trying to replicate, is, is this person going to press on and be able to operate and fulfill the mission that we're going to send them to? And can the people around them count on them, that they're not going to cower out? Um, or quit, or give up. And so what I think the Heavenly Father, in that same way, He lets us have these thorns, these things in our life, these irritations, however you want to phrase it, however it makes sense in your brain, the things that just kind of irk you a little bit. I think oftentimes those are the things that reveal our limits, that help us understand it, where we can get stuck. Um, so I want to tell a little story on this, and uh, I'll try to not get too emotional, but it was kind of a turning point in my marriage, and I, I think when, we, when you, whoever's up here gets real, it helps everybody out there. So Di and I had been married a few years, and uh, maybe longer than a few years, I don't know, but um, I was kind of really struggling with, the, with how we were financially, and I didn't realize how much it was bugging me. But as I begin to kind of stew over it more and more, I, I began to realize that, that I was pulling back from Di, and she actually kind of confronted me on it. And this was really kind of the turning point. She's like, she's like, I don't know what's going on, but you're distant, and, and, and I don't like it, and something's, something's not right here. So I had to start seeking my heart. And I realized the root issue of that was, was our finances, and I was putting most of this on her. And I'll cut to the chase here. And I finally got real before the Lord, and I said, listen, Lord, here's the deal. I said, I feel like financially this is a sinking ship. I am on a sinking ship, and I can't save it. I've tried everything I can, and you put me with this woman, and we're going under. And you know what I expected the Lord to say? I expected the Lord to say, don't worry about it. I've got it. Here's your life rest. I'm sending a bigger ship. And you know what he told me? He said, is that your limit? He said, can you justify biblically walking away from it? He said, if this ship sinks, will you stay on it with her because you made a commitment? I was like, what? I didn't like that answer. But it was a hard issue for me. And the Heavenly Father said, what's your limit? 
will you ride this ship all the way to the bottom of the lake with her? And I was like, yes, Lord. And it, it took some time, but I churned through that. I finally said, Lord, I will ride this ship down. I am in, I am committed, and I surrendered. And I quit harassing her about money. I just had a total heart change. Here's an absolute miracle, and I kid you not. We went from 13, almost $14,000 in credit card debt to 18 months later, probably having 13, almost $14,000 savings in the bank. And that is only the goodness of God. I promise you. And in fact, how we even managed our finances didn't really even change. The only thing that I can tell you that changed is my heart, me finding a limit, a place that I was stuck, and being willing to accept that and move past it. It's the only thing that changed. God is good and he is faithful. I'm telling you. So what, really the crux of the, my message then is I kind of got to that point where if you jump over to Philippians 3 or I'll just read it to you. Sorry, I got a little bit of a scratchy throat this morning. I got all fired up. So really the crux of the message is, is, is the Lord's going to show you those limits. And probably, you probably already know some of them in your life. Um, because he's a good, good father, and he does not want you to be stuck. And he has a plan for your life. And the only purpose of him revealing these places where you have a tendency to get stuck is to help you push past them so you can move on, so you can advance his kingdom. That is what it's all about. Um, and so I, in Philippians 3, I think Paul absolutely addresses this. Um, and this is his whole heart. We're going to read Philippians 3. Starting at verse 10, another, if, if you've been around the church, another super familiar passage. Um, Paul says, I want to know him inside and out. And he's talking about Jesus. I want to experience his power, the power of his resurrection and join in his suffering, shaped by his death, so that I may arrive safely at the resurrection from the dead. I am not there yet, nor have I become perfect, but I am charging on and I think what most verses, they, the, the, the wording they have there is press on, and that's where I got the message. I am charging on to, gave, to gain anything and everything the anointed one Jesus has in store for me. And nothing will stand in my way because he has grabbed me and won't let go. Brothers and sisters, as I said, I know I have not arrived, but I know I have not arrived arrived, but there's one thing that I am doing. I am leaving my old life behind, putting everything on the line for the mission. I am sprinting toward the goal that counts, to cross the line, to win the prize, to hear God's call at the resurrection life found excessively in Jesus the anointed. To, I think I guess that, that sounded weird to me. Maybe it didn't to you, but I think I did read that right. But that's the message that Paul is giving right there, and, and I think Paul had some fire in his belly too, is that he will press on despite. And when the Lord reveals something to him that's a limit, like this thorn, like whatever this messenger is that's irritating the snot out of him, a quick side note on that. That same preacher, and I completely agree with this, you don't just have to accept these things. Pray and ask the Lord to change and pray and ask the Lord to just take them away. He might just do a miracle for you. But if he doesn't, and it doesn't instantly change, then the real crux of his message is, is 
we got to drive on, folks. We have got to drive on. So I'm going to share with you some of the ways that I do that, some of the things that have really helped me do that. Um, hopefully it can be very practical, um, possibly helpful. Press on. What is that all about? What does that mean? Well, here's what it means to me. It means we have to have a true heart's desire to move forward in our faith. Um, as I get older, I realize physically, and this is, this is kind of a concept that applies to many aspects of life. Um, a lot of you got good jobs. How many of you can go into, into work tomorrow and say, you know, boss, I've kind of got to that point in my life where I'm just going to maintain. I'm just going to hang out and maintain. I'm just... We all know that that's not acceptable in really any aspect of our life. And it really shouldn't be part of our faith walk either. And I think one of the biggest traps that, that Christians fall into is we get into this maintenance mode. Um, we certainly don't want to move backwards. We have to be moving forward. Let me tell you one of the pitfalls quick. And this wasn't right here, but it just kind of came to me, so I'm going to... Um, I think one of the pitfalls that we fall in that cause us to maintain as Christians is we surround ourselves with a lot of reminders, maybe even activities, um, and we all know this. Maybe you listen to KSLT all day, and then you do your, 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 your Bible reading, but you never really take that time to dig deep. You never really dedicate that time where you're not just listening to worship music, you are worshiping the Heavenly Father. Do you understand the difference? If you're in a maintenance mode, then it's going to become normal for you to just listen to praise and worship. And that's okay. That is wonderful. Or to listen to the Word of God. Um, but when you are in charging ahead mode, when you are moving forward, that's not good enough. you got to get yourself where you are worshiping the Heavenly Father, where you are loving the Heavenly Father, where you are devouring and and. and and meditating on his word and letting it get down deep in your, in your heart. Two different things. So anyway, um, like I said, uh, the things in our life, that they, they reveal our limits. And, and the goal of pressing on um, is so that we really can fulfill what God wants us to do. He has a purpose and he, and he, and he has a plan for us. And what I realized that the only thing that's really in your way and I realized this even last year with Gideon's football season, and I'm not going to get in, into all of that stuff and how that, but the only thing that's holding you back is you. There's no demon in hell. There's no plan of the enemy. I promise you, the only thing that is holding you back is you and whatever limits you're allowing to be there. Um, Satan himself cannot stop if you believe Jesus is your Savior, and the Holy Spirit is within your heart. Satan himself cannot stop you from fulfilling the plans that God has for you. The only thing that can stop you is you. You don't have to raise your hands, but um, how many of you felt like you've, and, I've, and I gave one example of that, how many of you felt like uh, You've kind of been pushed since you've been a believer to that absolute limit in your life, to that place where you're like, Lord, I just, I can't take one more. I mean, that to me, that, that, that's a place 
that we see as, as weakness, but I think Paul, or that we don't want to get to, but I think Paul began to realize that's a, that's a place of, of strength and faith. And that's where we hit that limit and we realize we're, we can't do this anymore. This is bigger than me, and I really have to truly start to rely on the Heavenly Father and His grace and His mercy. Um, I've done my part. Um, choosing to press on. That's, that's my thing. Some of the biggest, li- my, some of my busy, but biggest blessings in life ha- have come from this, and if I really wanted to be honest, probably some of my, my dig- biggest disappointments were where I, I walked away and, and maybe didn't didn't drive on or, or didn't continue. And, and let me give you an example of that. I, I graduate from college. I work at the boot camp for a little bit. I go to work at this place, this engineering manufacturing facility up here called San Mina SCI. Absolutely hated that place. I hated going to work. What I quickly realized is being an engineer and it, they produce this stuff and I won't get in too much to it, but basically I was just a whipping boy. Um, that was salaried and they could work me as much as they wanted with the goal of making a lot of other people really wealthy. And if you've ever been in a manufacturing environment, there's kind of this, you got your production side of the house, just real quick, over here, and you got your engineering side of the house over here. These guys want product out the door. They just, we're building it, we're selling it, we don't care. The engineers over here got to make sure this product is up to spec. So these two I mean, they can really get after each other. And as I come rolling in there, right out of the boot camp, as a, as a drill instructor, they'd had this really overbearing, super hard-charging engineering man or production manager that was over this. It was a big part of the manufacturing. And he had literally intimidated this poor engineer to the point where, like, she would be, like, shaking. And so here I come rolling in looking for a job, and they're like, there's our guy. So they put me over here, and he comes up talking nonsense to me, and I was like, no, sir. No, sir. And we would have some words. But anyway, to make a long story short, I was like, this, it, it was a job that I did, and, I, and the work itself was okay, but it just wasn't for me to be sitting in an office all the time. But what I, what I quickly realized is I could become extremely miserable or I could take this as an opportunity to really grow. And so what I, choose, what I chose to do by the grace of God was grow, and I really started digging deep in my faith. And what I can tell you is probably out of the job that I hated more than any other job I've ever had, including the grease ball work I did at Hardee's in high school, um, unfortunately hung over a lot, Father forgive me, but... Um, I hated this job even more than that, but what I can tell you is some of the biggest blessings in my life came from me working in that because I chose to, I didn't realize at the time, but what I really did was I chose to press on and drive on and dig deep. That's when I did the first dance ever was when I was working there. It's when I started this ministry that's still probably the powerful, most powerful ministry I've ever done. And Bill did it with me and some other, it was called Mount Up, probably the most probably the, the most intimate times I've ever had with the Heavenly Father were out of that ministry that came out of this time in my life. Um, that's where I started drumming. So the, the, the message that I'm saying it, it, is that is when you get in these places where your limits are, are, 
or tested, or you feel like you're, you're, you're really being pushed beyond what you can handle, if you can make a choice to press on and dig deep, I think you can experience some of the biggest blessings and breakthroughs you're ever going to experience in your life. God will honor that. He's not setting you up for failure, and he's not going to leave you hanging. I promise you that. I promise you. Okay. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit, and I'm going to tell you some of the ways. This is where I want to to get real practical for you, because this is, you know, you can, I can tell you, and and that's just for me. I'm a nuts and bolts, guys. I can tell you this is what you got to do, but to me, I've kind of left you hanging if I don't give you some real practical ways, at least that I do it, that maybe you can use too. Um, So I think I'm going to spend the most of the time for the message here, um, a good chunk of time here, just telling you, how the things that I do when I really feel like I need to press on or dig deep and and how I've worded those and and maybe even kind of what they look like and some of you are probably already familiar with them um, so this may just be a kind of a reiteration but kind of just like the same guys um, you know when I was talking about the special ops training like they don't just make it through those those courses and get selected and survive and then they're done those guys have to continue to train and advance um, their skills or improve their skills and learn new things right up to the, um, like their life depends on it. Because um, they don't know when they're, they're going to be deployed or where or what circumstance they're going to end up into. And they take it very seriously. I, I've known a, a few of them, sometimes a little maybe too seriously once they're out. But they're, they're very committed. And, uh, you know, just along that line, that, that Lance Manning, I tell you, you want to talk about a man of faith. I, he was, became one of my closest friends when he was here, and he was in Marine Recon. And uh, he used to challenge me and push me to the point. I remember one time, this is a total side story, but I remember one time he's like, we're going to fast. I'm like, no, we're not. Yes, we are. I'm like, Lance? He's like, we need to fast. And so I'm like, all right, in. And uh, I'm like, how long? He's like, till the Lord tells us we're not fasting. I'm like, come on, Lance. Really? But anyway, sorry for the... Um, and then what he would do is I'd be like, at school, I was in college at this time, I'd be at school, I'd be hungry, I'd be studying, I'd be grumpy, be like, Lance! And he'd call me up, he's like, how you doing? I'd be like, terrible. He's like, well, I just had a James sandwich, I'm feeling great, getting the word, getting, getting the Bible, getting James, and you'll feel better. I'm like, really, Lance? Really? But that's who he was, he was like all in. And I, I had so much respect for him because there was no lukewarm for this guy. Um, this, he, he took his faith the exact same way he took his special ops training. Um, he was all in. And, when, and, and, uh, and he loved people. And, and I guess I've said all that to say that, that it was very inspirational. And there's a lot that we can be learned um, from, from, from anybody that's, that's all in on their faith, that's really all in on, on their faith. And you all know who they, who they are, and you probably know some. And he was so intentional, and he didn't mind the effort or the work or all the stuff that, that, that went into uh, um, getting his hands dirty to love people. Um, that's just who he was. Um, and it really inspired me, and I, I was really bummed when he, when he moved on and he had some some other things in his life. But so here's one of the ways that I press on. And I've labeled this. I've talked about this thing. Um, 
I try to put intentional acts of faith in my life. What the heck is that? Well, it's very simple. It's very simple. You can be like, I'm going to go for a walk this afternoon, and you can just go for a walk this afternoon. Or, in my mind, if you want to make that an intentional act of faith, you can say, you know what, Heavenly Father? I'm going for a walk with you this afternoon. And this walk that I'm getting ready to do, I dedicate that time to you. This is our time, Heavenly Father, and I want to deliberately and intentionally spend it with you. That's the only difference. And then you make that your heart's desire. That's an intentional act of faith that's pressing on and that's pushing in to draw close to the Heavenly, heavenly Father. Um, and so that's one of the things that I will do. Um, I'll drive to a special place. Um, I got a few places in the hill, in the hills, Bill's aware of some of them, but I will intentionally drive to a special place um, and sit there and be like, Lord, I am here to spend time with you. That's an intentional act of faith. That's pressing on. To me, that's how you really draw close to the Heavenly Father. You know, you talk about my tough side. Here's a little bit of my soft side. You know one of those places I would go to that I would just almost get lost with my Heavenly Father? Those flower gardens. You get down at that flower garden in Sioux Park and you start walking around there and you say, Lord, I'm here to spend time with you. That's my whole goal right now, Lord. I have nowhere I have to be for an hour. Shut my phone off. I am here to spend time with you. And you start walking through those gorgeous flowers right there by where they have the sundial thing. Unbelievable. And the Lord will start showing you just how beautiful he is. I've got stuff like labeled. Like I'll look at the purple ones and I'll be like, that's your absolute royalty. You are the royal king of kings and lord of lords. And then there's some that are just this deep, dark red. And I'll be like, and that's your blood. That's the blood that you shed so I can spend this time with you. And I'll start doing that with all those. But anyway, it's an intentional act of faith. That's the point. You don't have to do mine. But you've got to have these, these things in your life that you, that you do. Um, and here's kind of maybe where this does kind of punch you in the, in the face a little bit. Um, have you ever gone out of your way or been inconvenienced to spend time with the Lord? Are you willing to go out of your way and or be inconvenienced to spend time or make time with the Lord? Or is it just one of those things where I'm doing my 15-minute Bible study with my coffee every morning um, and I'm driving on? And I can't answer that for you, but what I am telling you is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lord loves you. And it's probably worth you inconveniencing yourself once in a while to really draw close to him. He's worth it. And it's not a waste of time, I can tell you that. I can tell you that. Um, how am I doing on time? I think I'm okay. I, there's been times when I've taken that time to spend the time with the Lord when I really haven't felt like I should. And it feels like I have more hours in the day and I can get more stuff done. I kid you not. Um, he, that's just who he is. Or things will just fall into place. It's unbelievable. Um, little things. That's just our Heavenly Father. My next thing that I like to do to press on for everybody that's still awake is what I call mustard seed of faith. And they kind of, they kind of overlap a little bit. Mustard seeds of faith. I'm not going to read that passage. A lot of you are probably familiar with it. But essentially, uh, Jesus was talking and, and, and 
and had just did a miracle, and they're like, wow. And he's like, well, if you guys just had the smallest amount of faith, you could tell that mountain to jump into the ocean, and it would do it. And they're like, as many of us are. But do you have mustard seed of faith moments in your life? And what I mean by that is, let me give you an example. If you're having a bad day and you're not feeling it, or you're just like in a funk or whatever, to me, a mustard seed of faith moment is that is where I stop and I bust out my favorite worship list. Right now, I can tell you it's Crowder's Good God Almighty, and I'll get it on my phone or I'll get it on Gideon's speaker, and you can ask my kids. They've come home more than one time, and uh, I get that music a-blaring, and I, this is what David did. I start letting the, 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 the goodness of God and the Holy Spirit churn in me, not because I feel it, not because I want to. It's an act of faith. It's a mustard seed of faith, and I'm telling you, it will change your circumstances. It will change your heart. That's really what it'll change. It will change your heart and how you see your circumstances and what you're dealing with. Pretty soon, I'm not having such a bad day anymore. I'm acting goofy or weird, and people are like, what's wrong with that guy? Here's another mustard seed of faith, and we do this, but I just don't think we do it enough. And this is, Deanna talked about this. This is where you declare the goodness of God over whatever you're struggling with. There's, that is so powerful over the chaos, over the commotion, over what you don't think um, is going well or could go well. You just start declaring the goodness of God. You just start declaring his mercy. You just start speaking it out into um, the air. I'm telling you, it puts angels to work. It absolutely puts angels to work. One of the best messages I've ever heard, and I'm not going to go there, but if you want to hear Chuck Chuck Swindoll, extremely conservative preacher, uh, he was just talking about, uh, I was listening to him going to work Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and for his Christmas sermon, he really got off on on the angels and what the sky must have been like. But he started telling stories about one of his professors when he was in seminary that had encountered an angel. And then he told his own story of how he believes he encountered an angel. And this is an uber-conservative preacher. But what I, what my, my point is, is when we declare God's goodness and, and when we step forward and take the place and speak out the truth over the chaos, it changes things, and I believe it puts angels to work. I believe it sets things the way they're supposed to supposed to be biblically. Biblical truth over natural truth. You can always, always, always declare biblical truth over natural truth. Now, you may not instantly see the change in the natural realm, but spiritually speaking, things will change. I am telling you, and it will ultimately affect the natural realm. And you can always claim biblical truth over whatever's going on in the natural world. Some of the other things that I'll do is, like I said, I'll worship in the still or I'll worship in the storm. This is a big one. Um, And one of my favorite verses is just be still and know that I am God. And Nick Reed said, actually, that verse is more translated better to be still and know God. In other words, you've got to quiet down and stop some of your busyness to really get to know the Heavenly Father. You've got to block out the distractions. It's kind of like... uh, Elijah, when he, when, he, when he needed to hear God and he's in the cave there, and all this commotion and commotion and fire and wind and all this stuff, and God wasn't in any of that. 
God was in the still small voice after all that was done. You've got to get to a place where you can get out of the commotion. You can get out of the chaos. You can be in the worst storm there is, like Jesus was sleeping on the boat, and stop the busyness and be still with the Heavenly Father. That's a mustard seed of faith moment. When you can do that, when you can turn off the chaos in your life and pull away for a few minutes and spend some, some uninterrupted time, that's a mustard seed faith moment that will change things. Um, give when you feel like holding back. That's another thing. When you know you need to give, that's a mustard seed of faith moment. Um, love when you're feeling bitter. Boy, that's a tough one. And, and here's what it comes down to some of these where they're, where they're really acts. Faith, faith is an action. Faith is things that we do. And I think oftentimes when the Lord calls us to do these things, this is where we feel stuck. This is where we could feel like this is a major hindrance in my life. And these are times in your life when you can absolutely say, Heavenly Father, I need your help. I'm stuck. I know I need to do this, and I just can't get there. My heart's not there. The more honest you are, because he already knows, you can be like, I'm really mad. I'm really mad. I'm really struggling with this person. I just, I know this is what I need to do, and I can't. And I'm stuck. Whole Please, through the Holy Spirit, help me, Lord. Just that real. And, and he will help you. I, I can assure you, you will be able to do what you need to do when you need to do it. Um, it's one of the things I, I, I try to do. Um, get to know yourself and know when you're, when you're weakest and most vulnerable and protect those times. I'm usually rock solid in the morning, and then if I get tired... At night, or it's been a long day, I got to be careful. And I know that about myself. I know one of my limits. I can't tell you, I'd have a rough day at work or whatever, whatever, and I, could, I would pull up to the house and I'd see just by the vehicles there, I'd be like, oh boy. I can guarantee you there's probably two grandbabies in there, at least. There's probably dishes piled this high and the place is trash, and I could just use some peace and quiet right now. And I'd be like, all right, Lord. All right, and I would sit in my patrol car for just a minute, and I'd be like, you're bigger than this. But I know that's one of my limits, because that's when the old Jim wants to just come in and start barking, or just come in and start be like, ah, and make everybody uncomfortable. But that's, that's, not the, that's not the Heavenly Father being the man I need to be, right? And loving my family. But be aware of your limitations. The more aware you are, this is what, Total side note, this is what gets cops in trouble because they don't understand their own limitations and they don't know when to shut it off because they either take it too personally or um, they get overly involved or they get too amped up and, and, and they can't pull back and be like, all right, whoa, uh, we got the guy. We don't need to thump on him anymore, right? Or, or they take it too personally that this guy's not going to get away from me. Well, you know what? Let him go. We'll catch him later. We'll catch him later. Let him go. Um, and, and I'm telling you, you can save yourself a lot of heartache by just knowing your, your limitations, knowing when you're vulnerable, knowing when you're likely to fail, knowing when you're likely um, to make a bad decision and being aware in those circumstances. Um, it will help you a lot. Here's another thing that's helped me to really, um, I guess, drive on, maybe press on. I think this is actually out of the thing. I got two more things here, and we'll wrap this bad boy up. Um, Character studies. Find somebody in the Bible that you can relate to. Um, 
I love to read the Word of God, but for me, it's never as powerful to me as when I dive into an individual. When I dive into a person into the Bible, and I realize they're a real person like I am, and I start to imagine what it was like. Um, I spent quite a bit of time with Moses. Unbelievable. I mean, and you want to talk about being able to relate. He's like, I got this God, and he thinks he's going to do this plan. Then he has to go wander for 40 years, being a, a shepherd, or not really wander. But then he, he gets derailed for 40 years. That 40 years wasn't wasted. That was 40 years of God preparing his heart. That was 40 years of God getting him ready so that when Moses was in the position that he was in, because whatever Moses said went. I'm telling you, when Moses was finally leading that country, whatever Moses said was it. And you didn't badmouth Moses. God was going to kill some folks. I think his relatives were badmouthing him. He's like, whoa, please no, don't kill him, Lord. It's okay. I can still love him. Whoa. But the point is it took 40 years of him um, to, to get there. But I can relate to that because I have promises in my life. I have things that the Lord, I know the Lord has fulfilled. Um, and I understand that I must not be there yet, and I must not quite be ready, and I still must be in this phase where I'm learning and growing before God's going to me, put me into all that stuff. And that's okay, and that's a, that's a good season. But I can relate to Moses. I can, I can see, and I, I can only imagine some of the, because the, the, he was a man, some of the thoughts that he must have had, some of the feelings that he must have had, some of the emotion that, that was going on in him and his heart, good, bad, and indifferent throughout all of that. And when you do that, and then you see that he's a human being just like you, just like every one of us, and how God still used him, to me, it just makes it real. And you realize God loves you just as much as he loved Moses, who he used to rescue his chosen people. And he has just as big a plans for your life. It may not, in the earthly realm, it may not look as big, but it's just as significant what he has for you as it is for Moses. And the only one that can stop you from doing it is you. So, but anyway, find people in the Bible you can relate to. Moses, Joseph, Elisha, Peter, some of the ones. John the Baptist. I love John the Baptist. I can totally relate to John the Baptist because I think he's kind of this, like he ate locusts and honey. Right? Exactly. He was like living in the woods and eating locusts and honey and talking about Jesus. This guy, plus I don't think, I don't, and I try, John the Baptist, he really wasn't interested in whatever social uh, norm was going on. He didn't care how people were dressing. He didn't care whatever. So if he was alive today, he wouldn't care what you're driving. He wouldn't care about your bank account or whatever. Only thing he cares about is your heart. And I love that about him. And that's like, and so he's another one for me. Okay. Pressing on. Sometimes we just flat out get stuck. Actually, before I go there, let me do this. Here, here's, here's a couple quick don'ts. I'll be done in 10 minutes or less. Um, here's a couple of quick don'ts that will absolutely prevent you from pressing on. One, don't feel sorry for yourself. Nowhere, I've, ne I've been around this Bible a long time, and in, in nowhere in there where I, can I say where the Heavenly Father says, just go have your little pity party and feel sorry for yourself. Now, throughout the whole Bible, they've all done that. And basically, the Heavenly Father pretty much comes along and says, hey, when are you going to get over that? Quit feeling sorry for yourself so we can move on. Don't feel sorry for yourself. I'm telling you, it's just a trap and it's a pit. And it's not going to get you where you need to go. Second, don't. Don't isolate. 
Isolation is a pitfall that's going to get you stuck. You cannot isolate. It's the same concept throughout the whole Bible. We need each other. You need the brothers. You need your family. You need other believers. It's just that simple. Do not isolate. And that's something I think I've been kind of doing and I'm starting to expand. But I get it. Sometimes you feel like the people that you need to be around are the thorn. They're not. But they will help you grow. Um, They're a blessing. Um, I guess the other one I kind of said, know your limits. Know your limits. And be careful that you don't just get into a a routine. Um, Been having this little back issue. Quick story. I got to wear this brace. Um, this brace helps me upright. Part of what it is is just bad posture, undertraining my back. But I'm wearing this, if you see me, it's, it, it's a brace. The brace is not going to fix my issue, though. The brace would just be the crutch, right? The brace is just a reminder. It's just like listening to praise and worship all day. It's all, um, it's all the brace. If I'm just listening to praise and worship all day, if, I, if you just wear the brace all day, all that's really going to do is irritate the absolute snot out of you. Trust me. What I have to do to really fix my thing is do the exercises and stretches, that's where I dig deep and press on. And then when, when I'm doing what I need to do, then the other thing is just a reminder. That's all it is. And that's the big difference. Um, that's the big difference. So, okay. Final thing. Sometimes we're doing everything we can to just press on, and we just feel like we've hit a wall. We just feel stuck. And I've been there. I've been there at times in my life. I was there... That, that, that was there with the financial situation with my wife. I just got stuck and I had no out answer. It didn't make sense. Everything actually seems to be going the wrong way. I'm trying to do all of my part. Um, or another sometimes where it really feels like you can feel stuck is we get into a holding pattern and we fall into this where it just feels like, Lord, I'm trying. I'm doing my part and I'm just in this big circling. I am just keep circling the airport, and you just won't let me land. Why can't I just land and jump into what I know you have called for me? And that can be so frustrating. I kind of have an answer for you. It's probably not the best answer that you want, but it's the thing that's really learned to work for me. And this is what I want to wrap it up with, and I just want to share it with you because it's so incredibly simple. When I start to feel like I'm stuck or overwhelmed, or in this holding pattern, or whatever it is, that's the time when you need to just take that moment I just take a deep breath. And I just admit, Lord, I am stuck. And I say three powerful words. I don't know. Those are very powerful words in my life because I always preference those with this in these moments. I am stuck, Lord. I don't know, but I trust you, Heavenly Father, and I trust that you're a good, good God. Now, nothing may change instantaneously in your life right there, but you've set yourself in the place where you need to be, and you've opened the gates of heaven to work. And that's all we can do sometimes. And sometimes you have to do it 10 times a day, and that's okay. Take a deep breath. Say, Lord, I'm stuck. And I don't know. But I trust you, Heavenly Father, in your goodness. And I promise you, you're putting angels to work. The Holy Spirit inside of you is going to fire up and things are going to start churning. Um, and it will make a difference in your life. That's, that's faith. That's faith. 
That's trusting in the, in the middle of the storm. I'm done, guys. I thank you so much for listening to me. I thank you so much for putting up with me. I'm probably preaching to the choir. Let me just pray a blessing over you guys. And uh, um, we'll move on. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you that you're a good, good God. I thank you, Lord, that we can trust you regardless of our circumstances. Lord, I guess I would just ask on this message, show us all our limits. Maybe just show us all a limit and give us a plan to move on. Help us to press on and break through, Lord. Help our goal, Lord, to be draw closer to you and to advance your kingdom and to let people see your light and your love shine through us, Lord. That'll change things. That'll change the atmosphere. That'll change this world. Let that be our heart, Lord. You're a good, good God, and you're a loving God, and you love your people, and you love your children. I just declare a blessing over everybody that's here, over everybody that's watching. I declare your grace and your mercy will cover them. As we go into this new year, let them walk in your absolute grace and blessing and mercy and peace in Jesus' name. Amen.